0: I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, and ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up in just a little while, you know, we had a horrific flu season this last year. Tragic number of deaths in spite of phenomenal efforts by people in medicine and in hospitals all over the country but there's a reason our flu season was so much worse and so deadly and it's a simple change we need to make in the United States that I'm going to share with you coming up. I want to talk right now about a survey that you could have knocked me over with a feather when I read a J.D. Power survey that found that roughly 8 out of 10 people want financial advice from their bank. Oh, my goodness. This is a rotten, terrible, abysmal, gross idea. Banks have really lost the share of your wallet. Overall, banks now are down to roughly 10% of money people have on hand overwhelmingly, our money is in mutual funds, 401k plans, IRAs, Roths, investment accounts. Because in a bank, all you do is run backwards. Because the money you have in is never going to keep up with inflation. It's never going to build long-term financial security. A bank is really just a parking space for your money. And they're not good at investment advice. The banks that have tried and set up investment arms tend to offer rotten, terrible investments with massive commissions and humongous fees and in turn, very poor performance for your money that you would invest with one. So when you're looking at where to get advice on investing, there's a world of choices that you can get information from. There are fee-only planners that, depending on your situation, they're not going to make commissions or anything they recommend. There are websites. I've got a list of uh, podcasts and blogs that are available with people who do a great job answering questions about your wallet. I've got a simple investment guide at Clark.com. There are so many things like that where you can get good, good information, including now from the low-cost investment houses I have on Clark.com that offer a variety of formats for advice that are for the small investor, that are very inexpensive or free. So when it comes to you getting advice about your money, 8 out of 10 people, you normally say 8 out of 10 people couldn't be wrong. But in this case, eight out of ten people are mistaken big time and would be so much better served using a bank for your checking account, using a bank or credit union to get a credit card, and you should look at credit unions too, but using one of them for advice about money? No way! Not any day. Ivan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ivan. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. Ivan, you're a good saver. Well, you know, I've been listening
1: to you for the last couple of years, and uh, I figured that it was going to be the best for my family, you know, because we were on a path of, uh, uh, like a lot of families, you know, we we have student loans and we have kids, and, you know, so we were trying to, you know, just get by, but we were uh, spending a little bit more than, you know, what we should have in food and restaurants stuff like that um, so we yeah so we have mm, about $30,000 saved and uh, we want to buy wait, wait. House. so
0: two years ago you were a deficit spender and two years yes. later you and your wife have managed to save $30,000?
1: Y- yes and we paid over $50,000 in student loans You so... are fantastic! Oh <laughs> well Thank you, you know, uh, I've been, and, and I don't know, you know, I, I wish I would have found you sooner, really, because, you know, when I hear you talking to younger people, you know, in their 20s, I'm like, oh, man, I, those guys are on it, you know? <laughs> but uh, we're still young, you know, I'm in my 30s. I'm going to be 35 this year, so I think I still have a good future ahead of me. Congratulations. So, thank you. I just wanted to ask you, uh, we are concerned with the prices in the area of the country that we live. They have grown up so much, at least $100,000 in the area. for housing? We, yeah, for housing.
0: And Ivan, you it's can be real specific with me, please, here. Where in the country do you live?
1: We live in Plano, Texas, which is a...
0: Oh, I know of Plano. It's a, it's a very affluent area north of Dallas. Right. And a, a really happening area. And... I've been to Plano a few times in my life, and I was flying out of Dallas Love Field recently, and we actually took a path out of the Dallas metro area going over Plano, and I couldn't believe how much Plano has grown up. And And by the way, it looks beautiful from the air.
2: Yes,
1: and you're right, you know, and uh, yeah, people are selling A house that, I don't know, we were looking at, let's say, a year ago, that was in the $200,000. Now that house is $300,000. This is the same issue
0: people have faced in areas of Denver as well, where there's been very rapid price increase, uh, particularly for homes that may be homes that first-time or first-time move-up buyers would be targeting because there's a shortage of homes in those two price categories. And that's led yeah. to the big run-up in hot markets.
1: Yes, you're right. And I see some new, you know, developments. They're building more houses and more apartments. But uh, yeah, they seem to be all on the super high end. You know,
0: right? That is that is plus. that is pivoting around the country. Builders built way too many high-end homes in most of America, and they're having trouble moving those high-end homes now. And so builders are reorienting and starting to build more first-time homebuyer housing and first-time move-up housing. First-time move-up means people who are going to their second home, selling their original one or turning it into a rental and moving in the second home. That's the area where builders are going to be concentrating. I think the run-up in prices will moderate because of that.
1: Okay. And, you know, my question is, with the $30,000 that we have saved, we're trying to find a house uh, for 250000 So, you know, from what I've heard from you, what I've read, it's best to come to the table with the 20% down. And, but 10 uh, will
0: work. So you've got the 10. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is what's known as an 80-10-10. Okay. And what that is is you take out a first mortgage for 80% of the house you're buying and 10% you pay your cash for and then you take out a 10% second mortgage 10% of the value of the home and that way you avoid private mortgage insurance Mm -hmm. which is so important because that can add a huge amount over time to your actual cost of housing so by Mm -hmm. making it to the 10% threshold it's common again to be able to do the
1: 80-10-10. Okay, and I've heard I've heard you talk about it. I just didn't know cuz uh, how easy it is to to find them or Oh
0: yeah, now I, they're readily available and you should be talking to a mortgage broker, mortgage banker, credit union, somewhere you do banking right now and see what kind of financing you can find. And I will tell you this, if you buy a used home instead of sticks up new construction Mm -hmm. you generally will get more for your dollar than buying the sticks up new because there's a, a significant shortage of construction workers right now and that's driving up the cost of new construction and what you end up paying per square foot for a used home tends to be more favorable for you than buying that brand new home so congratulations to you again though on all the good news about how you have been handling money. It means nothing but good stuff is going to happen for you going forward, Ivan. Barb is with us. Barb, you have a situation that's not broken, but you wonder if it needs to be broken anyway. Is that true?
3: <laughs> that could be one way to put it, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's going on? I am, I'm 58. My husband's going to be 62 this year. I lost my job about a year and a half ago. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have any bills. Our house is paid for. And this year, he can start collecting Social Security. Now, he's been self-employed almost all of his life, so he has very little Social Security to draw on. We heard that if you're divorced and you've been married over 10 years, then he would be able to draw on my Social Security which, of course, would be more, and we didn't know if this was, you know, because we'd still be living together if this was even legal or not. But at this point, we'd be able to get, you know, hundreds of more dollars a month if that was true, and then I don't know how it affects my Social Security going forward.
0: Wow, that is is a heavy question. So as a way to generate more income, you would get... Divorced even though you are happily married? Yes. How about that? All right. So in order to know whether or not how that would all play, there are products you can buy that will allow you to actually see every scenario on when to claim and what you will get for Social Security it's called maximizemysocialsecurity.com. Okay. And $40 gets you the full software package and the financial stakes are so high. And then you've got costs involved in going through the process of getting divorced. So you got to make sure that it really is the most effective way to do that, to get the maximum benefit. I would buy the forty-dollar software and run it every possible scenario. Okay, maximize my, my social security maximize dot my com. Social dot com com. Okay, and it is it, it is as best I know the best software anybody's ever developed to figure out the ins and outs of claiming Social Security to get the maximum benefit.
3: I will have to do that then.
0: Okay. And I I hate that we would have a system that would make it so that you would you would benefit more from being divorced than married when you're in love with each other. But the rule well, is that's... as you said, if you've been married ten years or longer and you're divorced, he can get the benefit at 62, if you're entitled to Social Security retirement, and it's based on the fact that your work would generate a higher benefit than his work. Correct. But, but run the software just to make sure before you do take that step. I will certainly do that. All right. And and I just, you know, I, you can hear it in me, it just makes my heart ache that that it would put you in a position that you have to get divorced but if it right if it will you know, generate if, if you're talking about that kind of money yeah you, you got know. to I mean you, maybe you got to yep yeah so let me know what answer you come to because I'll be very interested on what you learn from the software you got a question for me go to clark.com slash ask. Joel, you got a couple of them for me right now, don't you? Yeah, Clark Torrey wrote in. She says, Do you have any specific recommendations on buying a treadmill desk? Oh, do I love my treadmill desk? There are a zillion choices now from very, very inexpensive ones to ones that are a fortune. You got to decide what style you want. There are even treadmills you can get that are designed to go under. Almost any computer desk that can raise and lower, and those don't have the normal parts of a treadmill. There's just the flat part of the treadmill. And then the desks range from very, very inexpensive, somewhat flimsy designs that are under $100 to those that are a couple of hundred dollars. Ikea sells a lot of standing desks that can be adjusted and fit over most treadmills, And then there are treadmills that are built to be used as treadmill desks that have the counter built into the treadmill. Those tend to start at around $700 and go way up from there. But I will tell you, you feel so invigorated when you work out at a treadmill desk. And Amazon has a lot of choices in this area If you want to look and see what they have in addition to others, you might find just by doing a Google search. Clark Darwin writes and he says, I need your advice on buying a cheap flat screen TV. How do I do it? Huh. They are so cheap right now. It's all a matter of certain sizes are providing real bargains in the marketplace. 55 inch flat screens. They are a screaming deal. Big difference in the price points for 55s versus 60s an example 40 inch size those are pricing out at 200 and change and the 32s are as cheap as 150 shop anywhere and everywhere for the flat screens watch the sunday sales flyers and look online micro center is a great place to buy really inexpensive flat screens micro center is not everywhere in the country you can look around for them Fry's Electronics, not everywhere, but also a great place to buy flat screens. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. This year, we had one of the most severe flu seasons we've seen in the United States or the Western world in decades. And unfortunately, sadly, a lot of people lost their lives. In spite of phenomenal heroic efforts by people in medicine, science, and people who work in hospitals, did a great job saving people. But in spite of that, we lost a lot. I think about the young children who died, the young moms and dads who died it is it is absolutely terrible and there's something i think we need to do is national policy and i know i mentioned this like six seven years ago whenever we had the big h1n1 outbreak and i got some fierce blowback for what i said but my belief is that during a health emergency like that, that employers that don't normally give sick leave should be required as national policy when the CDC declares an outbreak like we had here that was to, they call it an epidemic, I forget what the term was they used for it, but that where normally an employer should be completely free to decide if they're going to offer vacation or sick leave to people during a pandemic declared by the government at that point that would trigger people being able to get paid sick leave so that they don't come to work sick because think about the schools when they'd have an outbreak they were just during this flu that didn't have school for a couple of days imagine If we had something like an Ebola outbreak in the United States and people were going to work sick because they got to have money to put food on the table or pay rent and they work for an employer that doesn't offer any time off for illness and I know you're thinking there are going to be people that are going to be gaming the system always. Anything you do, there will be a small number of people that will game the system. But this is a matter of potentially of life and death and we need to be smart about things like this because the crazy thing is that when you end up with a lot of people sick because it spreads among people at work it costs an employer more money than if they just gave people paid time off anyway during a highly contagious or infectious event. Chad is with us on the Clark Howard show. Hi Chad. Hi Clark. Chad, I'm sorry to hear your son suffered a break-in. Yes, he did suffer a break-in two weeks ago. With no one home, I hope? He didn't have to deal with face-to-face being with a burglar? Um, He was home. Oh. Um, he, just, he just didn't wake up, so. Oh, man. he You yeah. know, in an unlucky situation, I guess we'd say he's lucky.
4: Yeah, he's sort of glad, actually. He didn't want to see this person face-to-face in the middle of the night.
0: Wow. I'm really sorry. Uh, Was well, he having he, trouble sleeping now as a result? Well, he he came home for the came home for the weekend. Um, I think he's doing all right right now. So, okay, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah.
4: In the meantime, he did have a little issue. They took a computer, his cell phone, game station, and um, his debit card. And uh, when they did that, somehow they got into his account and took five hundred dollars. It was quite difficult for us remotely to actually get the card canceled. And when we did, we were assured Money would go back into his account. And uh, when the uh, company called him to ask him, did, did you spend these things or charge these things on your debit account? There was one charge he was uncertain of, and he asked, you know, what was that? And he, they said, well, that was for a cab ride. Well, earlier in the day, he took cab rides. So he says, yes, I took a cab ride. Well, then they went on to tell him, well, your timeline doesn't add up, so we're saying it's fraud and we're not paying you back.
0: Oh, that he was defrauding the bank. Right. When, when in fact- All right. Now, by it, the way, I should point out, this is one of the scummy four giant monster mega banks. Yeah. It's one of the two bigs to fail.
4: Ugh. But what's even worse is at the time they said the money was taken out of the, the ATM, the police were actually in his apartment interviewing him. So he asked this company, do you want to see the police report? They said it's not
0: important. Your claim is denied, and you don't have a right to appeal. Okay. All right. All right. I, my blood pressure starting to rise because here your son's already been violated once by uh, what turns into being a robber, not a burglar, because he was home at the time. Right. He suffers those things, and then this... Absolutely disgusting giant monster mega bank that was bailed out by you and me now doesn't even want to follow the law and give him back the money from the debit card being compromised by the crooks. Correct. All right. So here's what your son needs to do right away. Okay. Is he files a complaint against the slime at the bank with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It's cfpb.gov. Or consumerfinance.gov. Either will get there. Okay. And the bank then will now have to answer for their abuse of your son. Now, the details should be left pretty thin on the complaint. Just that your son's home was burglarized, all these things were stolen. We have a copy of the police report. The criminals took and used the debit card, and now the bank is accusing your son of being a fraudster rather than it being the result of a crime that's all you say okay and he files that and the bank will then by law have to answer it usually goes to a different department than the customer no service clowns your son's had to deal with and i want to hear back from you because if that doesn't work i'd be surprised if it doesn't work but i want to hear back either way and if it doesn't work we'll think of what plan b is okay it points out again why i call these products the piece of trash fake visa or fake mastercard because if it had been a credit card and these hoodlums had used it the rights under federal law for your Mm -hmm. son are much stronger than they are with the piece of trash fake visa or fake mastercard totally agree so we'll get on that. Okay, so go ahead and, and you just go online, you do the complaint online, your son needs to respond if any investigator wants to talk to him. He's got to be quick about responding to them. And sure. then let me hear back, and it should be in just a matter of days or weeks that you'll you. have circled back to me. I got it. Okay. Well,
4: thanks for your help, because we didn't know where to go, what the next step was. It's, it's very difficult to The next to find step that information. is you
0: kick that giant monster mega bank in the teeth will not literally oh, we yeah. do it figuratively they shouldn't exist in the first place hang on please gosh i get mad about those giant monster mega banks cole is with us on the clark howard show hello cole
5: hey how are you doing
0: great thank you cole you as a teenager are looking to build a future for yourself
5: that is right.
0: And how are you already motivated at, how old are you? 16. 16 years old uh, yes. to worry about your future. That's way earlier than people are really thinking way down the road.
5: Yeah, well, I'm homeschooled and we have this financial book that we had to read and all and uh, I was like, you know, this is, because they were talking about if you put away this much money and it grows at this percentage or whatever you know you could retire at whatever age and i'm like that's really cool where can i you know put my money that it will grow you know and i can retire whenever you know so i'm talking about the long term when i say you know put my money somewhere that'll grow you know
0: coal 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 at 16 yeah. you're already thinking about when you're going to retire you know i love that because <laughs> I, I don't know if you know my backstory but when i was a teenager I set the goal that I was going to retire by the time I was 30 and people (laughs) laughed at me and they were right to laugh because I failed I retired the first time when I was 31 so I didn't make it but I was close yeah 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 of course and so the key is that when you the and this is this is for people of any age with any retirement goal the key is to set a goal and be right. realistic about it. Most people never get there because they haven't built the roadmap. They haven't set out what the goal is. So okay. in your case, at sixteen, you say it'd be really great to be able to retire. But for what purpose and at what point in your life? Like, I know that's a crazy question to ask you as a teenager.
5: Yeah, um, I have no. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't plan on retiring. I guess, early, but when I do retire, I want there to be, you know, enough there, you know?
0: Okay, fair enough. And are you working yet?
5: I am, and that's what I thought. I was like, okay, I'm starting to make an income, but now where can I put it so it'll start growing? All
0: right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you how easy it is. So how much would you like this year to put aside for retirement? uh all of it <laughs> and how much is that
5: uh gosh i don't know um maybe 10,000 i
0: don't know wow all right you're capped at 5500 to put in a tax free retirement account known as a roth okay so uh i i'm just so impressed you want to put aside 10 grand let's start with the 5500 the other 4500 there's, there's nothing wrong with you putting it in savings as money for you to use for the more immediate future. Like, how are you going to pay for college?
5: Um, community college.
0: <laughs> okay, great, because, you know, that's very, very inexpensive. Once right. you finish community college, your junior and senior year, if you keep going, are going to be more expensive. Right. So I'm thrilled with you. With your goal of 10 grand, let's start with the 5,500. Okay. And if you do the Roth IRA, the money grows tax free all through the years. You spend it tax free. And I think the greatest way to start is with something known as a target retirement fund. At 16, you would be looking, uh, gosh, the furthest out I think you can go is year 2055 or 2060. Whatever the latest wow. Target Retirement Fund date is you can grab hold of, uh-huh. just put the 5500 in it. Okay. And I'd like for you to, if you look at my investment guide at ClarkHoward.com, uh-huh. and you look at one of my favorite children, you look at Vanguard, the investment yeah. company Vanguard, uh, you have to have an adult open the account for you, but it's your account. Okay. They open a custodial Roth, you put in the 5500 And you let it grow and grow and grow over the decades, knowing that in shorter terms, you could lose money if the market does its roller coaster thing, which it does up and down. But over time, putting that money in there is going to build that financial security for you and ultimately that wealth. Okay. This is great stuff. This is great.
6: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: Hey, Clark, uh, first
2: I first want to thank you and your staff for taking my call and for everything you do for us.
0: Well, you're and, really uh, kind, and it's wonderful to have you here.
2: And I won't break the rules by calling you Mr. Howard, but I will call you Sir Clark Howard if you don't mind.
0: Oh, man, <laughs> if it makes you happy. <laughs> uh, so but I've not been knighted short. by the Queen of England, so uh, it's probably fraud for me to accept you calling yeah. me Sir Clark.
2: <laughs> Just wait for the email. She'll call you. I'll okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, So long story short, um, I want to take over my mom's mortgage because, you know, she was nice enough to raise me and my brother and uh, give us food and clothing and school and all that good stuff. So I've been paying her mortgage for the past few months, but she came up with the idea of essentially passing the house and the mortgage on to me since I'm the oldest. And I basically want to turn it into a rental property at some point. But how do I transfer a mortgage to myself without having to refinance or get a new loan and all that kind of stuff?
0: The answer is you can't. But what, okay. but what you can do, if you have effectively taken over the mortgage and you're making all the payments, if the mortgage interest deduction is worth it for you, um, if you can itemize your deductions, you would be the one who'd be entitled to take that deduction, not your mom, because you're making the payments. Oh, okay. But as far as the property passing to you, It's best for a property to pass, believe it or not, when somebody passes away, not while they're living, Uh because there's special tax benefits to that, and the thing is, she would have to, either in how the property is titled, have the property passed to you at her time of passing, or in a will, have it in there that that you would be the one who inherits the property.
2: And at that time, so I'm actually, I'm not... So her mortgage is within a big monster mega, but I'm with a credit union that I like. And would I transfer it to that if the rate is better?
0: Well, she's living in the house, right? Correct. And so she's going to remain living in the house. You're just helping her out by paying the loan for her, and it's a deferred reward for you later on because it will then become your house eventually. So how many siblings do you have?
2: Just one younger brother.
0: And... Is your younger brother all aware of this and chill with it or no?
2: Um, Yeah, he's definitely okay with it. Essentially, once it does become a rental property, we just essentially split any profits that come in after, you know, any costs and deductions and things.
0: So you're going to pay for it, but then at the time of her passing, you would both benefit from it. Correct. Well, you are really a wonderful son and brother.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Learned Learned it from the best. She's a good mom, so I appreciate that.
0: Wow. All right so the right way to do this is to go to a real estate attorney and lay out the whole scenario and see what the best way is to do it you would not want to transfer ownership to you or you uh, having the mortgage or anything like that if ultimately the property is going to be for the benefit of both you and your brother okay you just you're right now are doing something that there's a special place for you in heaven for what you're doing for your mom well, but I you want to make that. sure that. It's a place for her as well. well, you want to make sure at when the time does come that the property is properly set up for the benefit of you and your brother.
2: Right, I will do that. And I appreciate everything you do, and thank you very much,
0: Ricky. One sticky thing that the lawyer will talk to you about that I would be remiss if I didn't mention: uh-huh. when your mom does pass away, and the house would be passing to you and your brother you're going to have to come up with a way together that you pay off the remaining mortgage okay in order to have the property pass properly to both of you you're listening to the clark howard show if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show i'd love it if you'd subscribe whatever your favorite podcast app is we're pretty much there and whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other, is from those reviews.